Hello novelists and novelistas, welcome to mile 16 of Novel Marathon. Like a marathon, this show has 26 episodes, one for each mile, published over the course of a year. You can expect a new one every one to two weeks. During that time, we'll write the first draft of an 80,000 word novel. We're reading The One Year Novelist by Alan Lilly, Story Genius by Lisa Cron, and This Year You Write Your Novel by Walter Mosley. Novel Marathon is a self-directed bi-weekly class. There will be exercises and readings, which we'll discuss in each episode. You'll find details in the show notes. I recommend you get the books, but I'll revisit the main ideas on the show, so in a pinch, you can follow along and get the gist of it just by listening. I'm the undercover novelist. Like you, my goal is to complete a novel in a year. I'll be your cheerleader and pacemaker for this long-distance race. And remember, everyone has to run a marathon at their own pace. So, if you're new to this show, just start with episode one, do the readings listed in the show notes, complete the writing prompts, and jog along at your own pace. In this marathon, all that matters is that you keep going and you finish, not how long it took you to get there. And with that, let's recap. The suggested readings for today were chapters 29 and 30 of The One Year Novelist. They continued our journey of writing an average of 533 words five times per week. Right now, you might be closing in on the midpoint of your novel. Other than the climax, this is the most dramatic point in your story when your main character takes a stand and doubles down. For next week, the suggested readings are chapters 31 and 32 of The One Year Novelist and pages 61 through 64 of This Year You Write Your Novel. You're now writing the second half of the book. The midpoint is already behind you or will shortly be. From now on, until the end of your novel, your protagonist should be firmly in the driver's seat, taking action rather than being the victim of external events. If your main character is still in reactive mode, take a closer look at the midpoint and make sure it is strong enough for your protagonist to make the transformation from hapless hero to determined agent who throws caution to the wind in determined pursuit of their goal. For next time, we're also reading chapter 14 in Story Genius. The secret to layering, subplots, storylines, and secondary characters. At this point, you probably have a good number of scene cards which are logically connected, one scene causing the next. Problem is, life doesn't unfold in a linear manner. Every action by your protagonist has effects on all the people around them. In real life, every action triggers dozens of reactions and vice versa. But how are we supposed to translate the interconnectedness of real life into a novel? Lisa Cron has this to say on page 224 of Story Genius. When blueprinting a novel, each layer is laid down one by one. So while in the end, every scene will advance multiple subplots, deepen characters and foreshadow the future, each of these layers was developed and woven in separately. In order to achieve this, your job as an author is to find and develop subplots and to create secondary characters who pursue their own goals and also serve your plot. Quote, you must create each subplot with one question in mind. How will it affect the main storyline? Which, of course, has itself been created with one question in mind. How will it affect the protagonist's struggle? If you're writing a mystery or crime novel, this remains true as well. 
On the surface, everything revolves around solving the crime, and the third rail is driven by how the protagonist makes sense of what's happening and why the perpetrator did what he or she did. End quote. The mystery writers among you know this well. The perpetrator is a secondary but very important character, without whom there would be no story arc for the main character, the hero solving the crime. In that way, subplots are little independent narrative engines, which ensure that your main storyline and your plot is moving forward. So, where do you find these subplots? There are two main sources. External events that were set in motion long before the novel began and secondary characters, anyone other than the protagonist. On page 226, this is how Lisa Cron describes the work of developing subplots. Quote, Much like drilling down into your plot points, creating subplots will send you back into the past to dig for the specifics that will make them relevant to the story you're telling. Your goal at this stage is not to develop the entire subplot from start to finish in intricate detail. Rather, the goal is to begin to envision it, where it might go, how it might spur your main storyline. When you're first crafting subplots, you're not only creating new scenes, you also expand existing scenes, which you'll note on the subplot line just beneath the alpha point on the appropriate scene card." End quote. And what is a scene card, you ask? It's a template for structuring a scene so it advances the plot. You can download a free digital copy when you sign up for the Novel Marathon newsletter at novelmarathon.com forward slash newsletter. So, where might you look for subplots? Look over your scene card so far. Your story started in medias res, which means big chunks of your story, i.e. the backstory, already happened long before the first chapter. So, can you identify possible subplots in your backstory that reach all the way into the present? Going back to Story Genius, Lisa Cron's friend Jenny is working through a novel idea about Ruby, a TV writer whose best friend Henry had an accident and is in the hospital gravely injured. For Jenny's main plot to work, she needs Ruby to be barred from the hospital. The question is, what could have happened in Ruby's past that caused her to be barred from the hospital? Can we find a subplot that feeds and explains that main plot point which Jenny needs in order to make her story work? What follows is the back and forth between Lisa and Jenny on page 228 of Story Genius about how to make this plot point believable and connected with a subplot that is rooted in the past. Lisa, so why can't Ruby see Henry in the hospital? Jenny, because she never married Henry. Only family can get into ICU. Lisa, I'm not sure that's technically correct. Anyone can visit unless there's a restraining order. Jenny. Okay, so what if someone has made it clear that they're simply not welcome? That could be Henry's mom. Let's call her Frances. She could not want Ruby there. Lisa. That's good, but now you have to ask why Frances would try to shield Henry from Ruby. What's her relationship with her son and with Ruby? Jenny. Henry is her only child. She loves him dearly, so she would obviously not move from his bad side. Lisa. True, but that's a given. We'd expect any mother to do that. It doesn't tell us anything about the dynamic of their relationship. Jenny. 
Okay, so maybe Frances lost her husband, or even better, maybe he abandoned her when Henry was a little boy and she poured all her love into Henry. Maybe Henry felt responsible for his mom's happiness and it led to guilt and angst. He'd probably felt pressured all his life to be there for her, so that a woman like Ruby was a major relief. Lisa, which is why Frances would be suspicious of her. And around the time of the wedding, she'd be on high alert. Jenny, true, if she'd been abandoned, then when Ruby seemingly jilted Henry, she'd be doubly fried, and maybe she'd try to protect Henry even more fiercely. Lisa, which might make Henry feel stifled, smothered, and give him empathy for Ruby's fear of marriage. Ironically, it might make him love Ruby even more. Jenny, exactly, and you really can't blame his mom for how she feels either. Lisa, that's the point. When you don't understand where people come from, and why they're doing what they're doing, you often realize that what looks like bad behavior isn't. With very few exceptions, everyone believes they're doing the right thing for the right reason. End quote. Dear novelists and novelistas, do you see how this exchange generated a whole bunch of possible new scenes, which Jenny can now begin to capture in her scene cards? You can do the same for your story. Take a look at the list of possible subplots already in play before the first scene, before your book even starts. Ask yourself, why might a particular subplot matter to your protagonist, given her quest? How does this complicate or propel your main character's story? The answer to that question will provide hints about where in the past you need to dig for specifics, just as Jenny has done in the previous scene. And it's those specifics that will make your novel come to life adding layers and complexity, which will then hold your audience's interest. Ultimately, as the author and the creator of the world in which your book unfolds, you have every right to create characters with traits and goals, which will facilitate the protagonist's story. Did you ever sit through a movie and suspect that the best friend was only in the script to facilitate the story arc of the protagonist? Chances are you felt that way because the seams of the plot were showing. A skilled writer will make sure that even a secondary character is well-rounded, complex, with his or her own agenda, and not just a two-dimensional plot device. Now ask yourself, what are the main secondary characters in your book? And how do they advance or disrupt your protagonist's story? Pick one, flesh them out the way Jenny fleshed out Henry's mom and Henry. How will your secondary character's agenda intersect with your protagonist's quest? What caused them to act the way they do and be the way they are? And how does that in turn cause your protagonist to act the way they do? Write down a bio for each significant secondary character in your novel. Who are they? What are they like? And how do these secondary characters and their actions in turn influence your main character and cause them to act a certain way. When you're done, look over your scene cards. There's a section for subplot for a reason. Your secondary characters, how will they show up in the scene cards you filled out so far? Your job is to make sure that the people who populate your novel and their actions cause changes in your protagonist, changes that can be traced back to the people that are important in their lives. Create that web of interconnectedness. Because adding in those layers is precisely what makes fiction 
feel real. And that's it for today. As always, suggested readings can be found in the episode description and in the newsletter. You can subscribe by going to the website novelmarathon.com forward slash newsletter and I'll send you a free scene card template to help you plan the plot and subplots of your own novel. Do you know a writer who is stressed out about NaNoWriMo or Camp NaNoWriMo? Writing a novel doesn't have to be an all-consuming sprint. Tell your writing friends about Novel Marathon and let them know writing a book can be a well-paced, 12-month, long-distance race with breaks and snacks. Anyone can sign up for free at NovelMarathon.com. Thank you for spreading the word. I really appreciate it. I'm the undercover novelist, and this was mile 16 of Novel Marathon. Happy reading, happy writing, and I'll talk to you soon.